Independence and freedom are often mistaken to be the same thing. I think they're two different things. Independence is your ability to chase a dream, to do what you want, as long as you pay the right fees, follow the right rules, follow the right guidelines, allow yourself to have oversight. Freedom is the ability to walk out the door, wake up in the morning, and do what you want, when you want, how you want to. And that's what this show is about. We're going to be talking about what we want to talk about, how we want to fucking talk about it. I'm going to bring you the truth. I'm going to bring you facts. I'm going to bring you data. Some of it may rub you the wrong way. Some of it may be something you don't even want to hear about. But you can best believe I'm going to tell you the fucking truth about it. I'm going to tell you like it is. This is your host, Christopher Scott Rudder.
She kicked me out, and now I'm living on the floor. Brother, I think me and you both have been there, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, for everybody out there, I've got a special guest with me this week. As everybody knows, I don't really have guests on the show all that often anymore. Uh, but this is our third annual installment with Stephen Joyner, uh, who has been my publicist uh, ever since I started. Uh, this is our third annual installment of Podcasters Are Such a Pain in the Ass. And uh, we've had a lot of good conversations revolving around the industry and with all the people that have come and gone, uh, you know, from the shows or as guests and, you know, people we won't work with anymore and people that we have lasting relationships with and we don't work with anymore and then people that we've just outright disowned at the same time. We've both gone through a lot of that. So, welcome back to the show, Steve. How the fuck you doing, bro? I'm doing okay. I've got some sad news over the weekend. A, um, a friend of mine, uh, actor Howard Hesman, passed away. For your, he, uh, your audience may remember him as Johnny Fever on WKRP in Cincinnati. Johnny Fever? Uh, no shit. Yeah, Howard was... Uh, I didn't know him very, very well. I knew his colleagues in the committee, which was a comedy troupe back in the 60s. Larry Hankin was part of that. He started out with uh, improv with H- Hanklin, right? Hankin, yes, he did. Yeah, and okay. Howard, Howard was a really, really cool guy. Your intro song, you, were, you would have really thoroughly enjoyed that. But um, I talked to uh, Carl, Carl last night. I have not spoken to Larry since since Howard's death. This was very sudden. Yeah. And I, I have a concern that... So I'm going to dedicate today's show in memory of Howard Hesman. Um, but I have a horrible feeling. I hope 2022 isn't like, what was it, 2016, where we lost just all these great people because we're, we're barely getting out of January, and we've lost Sidney Poitier, uh, Betty White, you know, Bob Saget. We, 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 I hope it, the Grim Reaper ain't hanging around. Now, or if he has to hang around, I hope he goes after, you know, people who deserve it. Like, anyway, there's other people that shouldn't be going. Let's put it this way. Yeah, there's a uh, there. There's a lot of people who we hate to see go, and at the at the end of the day, uh, you know, Johnny Fever from WKRP or Howard Hessman. Um, yeah, he uh, lived a, a long, productive life and influenced a lot of people. And his his memory is uh, there. Even people who didn't watch the show know who the fuck Johnny Fever was. You know, the doctor. Uh, he, that character's legendary even to today yeah. uh so um you know only the uh, uh those who have lived the long uh interesting life you know like they say only the good die young so you know at least he has a great memory uh to leave behind and and a, and a lot of legacy and he's impacted a lot of people and that's um uh, both tragic oh, yeah. and at least he does have the uh the legacy to leave behind so in a way that's an honor for him as well oh absolutely guy was amazing i mean he did a lot of great stuff very funny um he popped into he, he was in movies people totally forgot about oh it's him there he is you know but yeah really really that was one of those deaths you hear chris that some are predictable bob saget passing i wasn't really a fan of his work but him dying that was kind of weird uh it was um louis anderson i hate to say it but i kind of can see that because i had seen 20 minutes of the new Coming to America movie uh-huh. and you know how some people just 
visibly look ill, you know. And Anderson, who I thought was hysterical, I always liked him. He just looked like a regular dude. He looked very unhealthy in that movie. Bob Saget, I honestly never followed the man's career. I remember him on television, you know, but I, that was, he was on tour, I believe. So, yeah. like I said, there's some people that die, and, okay, I, I kind of see that happening. And then some people's like, bam, right out of the blue. Something interesting I think you would enjoy, because I know you're into heavy metal and stuff. I, last night, actually, just watched a documentary about uh, Dimebag. And I'm thinking, man, what a horrible, horrible thing that was. Yeah, well, the way that he died in that bar. Um, that was just, man, that yeah, was so horrible. Yeah, it was a... Uh, um, for everybody who was in the community at the time, everybody who had followed them since the early, uh, well, really the late 80s, but very much so the, the early 90s, they exploded on the scene. So everybody like me who had followed them, you know, for the better part of uh, 20 years, whenever he passed away, it was uh, kind of like uh, when Randy Rhodes died in the 80s. He was yeah, that yeah. that level of of guitarist and that level of musical influence and that level of a personality that everybody loved. He was so endeared to all of his fans. And uh, yeah, that's a great, great documentary for anybody uh, who hasn't seen it. Yeah, it was, I mean, he was like, the word genius is used too freely, but he was in that genius stratosphere. Uh, Rhodes, you and I are all about to know Randy Rhodes and that plane crash. Yeah. But he was like, what, 19, 20 maybe max? I think I think at the time, whenever he first appeared with Ozzy, he was 19. At the time of the crash, I believe he was 24. Because um, they had yeah, okay. uh, they had done three albums, been on tour two or three times. And that was during the mid-break of Diary of a Madman. That's um, right. So, uh, yeah. That, but uh, it, it, him coming onto the scene, being just such a prodigy. Now, Dimebag may not have been a prodigy like uh, Randy was, because Randy was so classically trained, had trained with yeah. Satriani and some of the fucking best ever. But, uh, you know, Dimebag just appeared on the scene, and he's this raw fucking Southern guy who just had the musical talent and the ear for the mathematical genius that it takes to be a guitar great. Uh, the way that he was able to put that together, those guys are definitely two peas in the same pod for sure whenever it comes to their influence that was left behind by music, which got passed on also to uh, one of my favorites, uh, Zach Wild, um, who, of course, you know, In This River was a tribute to Dimebag uh, with Black Label Society, and he's got his own style, and he went ahead and toured with uh, Ozzy after Randy Rhodes had passed away. It took Ozzy, I think, uh, three years to be able to get his shit back together and get back in studio only because he found another guy who was a prodigy which uh, was zach wild so um uh, the uh, cool thing is that zach is continuing that legend and he does the uh um uh the zach sabbath tour where he does the combination of all the aussie stuff and the black label stuff pays tribute to randy rhodes and also pays tribute to Dimebag, kind of a combination with some pantera shit all in one show done by a master guitarist and an incredible frontman. uh there aren't too many people who have that kind of charisma and, and uh, zach's definitely one of those guys so he definitely carries the torch for two huge legends and and uh you know as far as guitarists go and I always think what Rhodes and Dimebag would have done now, you know, I mean, you always think like what, what, how their careers would have gone. I mean, especially with someone like Randy Rhodes, who was so young, 
Well, you know, I think it's uh, better. I don't know. Because, you know, look at Jimi Hendrix. Look at Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think they would have got involved with producing myself. They they would have. that. Maybe they would have mentored somebody new onto the scene or whatever. Um, But I think that their legend being left where it is leaves so much perfection. Instead of them... You know, like Eric Clapton, he's an incredibly great guitarist, but he's had some huge fucking flops and made a fool of himself in public as well. Yes, he has. You know, so why, you know, I kind of like their legend being left where it is as opposed to seeing somebody go through, you know, the uh, frailties of just, you know, being being a mortal man and making mistakes. I'd, I'd rather see them have that perfection and just leave a legend instead of seeing somebody become almost a parody of themselves, like uh, Joe Walsh has become and, and so many others from back then. Speak- I still like Joe Walsh. Yeah, like- yeah, but if you've, seen him, if you've seen him perform live recently, it's not the I have, same. I have not. It's not you know, the same I mean, at all. Okay, I'm thinking of years ago, and, and it's like um, I, I've dealt with Gary Busey in the past. Yeah. And, and people, people ask me, you know, I've had, I've asked, I don't know him super well, people have asked me about Gary, like, you know, is he, you know, a lunatic? I'm like, well, you know, I don't know what to say. He's a man who's lived hard and reflects it, is what he is. But but if you want to see a good movie, look at the Buddy Holly story. I mean, he became Buddy Holly. Uh And and, and he did, he said it best, he had frailties like any human being, and, and there are a lot of frailties, and and they exist in the podcasting world, as you and I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's going to spin us around. I admire anybody on earth who does a podcast. You, I really do. If you can do it, I can't do one. I would never do one. I would be a boring host. I would be there with, like, the librarian. But, <laughs> well, I tried to do a show. I had a show that lasted about a month and a half that I did as, as a lark. And I'm interviewing people I knew for uh-huh. a long time. And it was—it just didn't sound right because I'm sitting there like, okay, so tell me, so and so, how did you begin? When I already know exactly what they're going to say, it's like being married to the same woman for five years and pretending like you're going on a first date. It just doesn't work. Yeah, and it's and I, uh, it's hard to recreate those first conversations that you had exactly. that made you become friends, and to try to rehash it or recreate it comes across as very stale. So, yeah, so uh, that's I, I wasn't I, I sucked as a show host, so I decided to stick with what I do best is putting people on shows. And uh, I, you know, we say pods, podcasters suck. If you've listened to our last two installments, I mean, we're 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 curmudgeon people sometimes. Yeah, Chris and I, Chris and I are like the old men of the Muppets in the background. Yeah, Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, Statler yeah, and Waldorf. <laughs> I will say, in all due respect, even to the shows that I don't talk to. Anymore, or I'm glad they're still going because it is a tough gig what they do even the ones I don't deal with it is a tough gig and it's not easy to do pre-show prep I mean put everything together timing as you and I know time is not always an ally yeah so but what gets me is is that there are certain podcasters that they're just not thankful for for anything and and, and, and you know I don't know it's it's an interesting world, you know, and, and people have been following, I'm sure even following Rogan and the whole... The whole Neil Young, Young thing, thing and everything else, yeah. And that's, it's getting silly. It really is getting a mess. It, it's, you know, uh, there's a lot of backstory, possibly, to the Neil Young part of it, which would be something that I would dive into on 
the telling you like it is format whenever I'm covering the news. I won't cover it here, but at the end of the day, it just makes him. I'm just saying. It makes him look silly, you know. Neil Young is okay. He's he's one of those. I've never purposely bought an album of his. Mm -hmm. I like him, but I honestly think with Neil Young and certain other people on this earth that they will they're off the radar for a while. So they'll create some nonsense just to be seen again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is definitely a big pop. That's one of the things that I yeah. did uh, um, over the weekend is I uh, did a post. And this is, you know, whenever you compare one person's show to the next or whatever, there's no use in getting into a swing and dick contest with anybody. But, um, you know, there's there's anytime I do something that's um, specific to my show, I could put up one post and get hundreds of comments and hundreds of reactions and all these shares and all this other stuff. And this weekend, I had a really fun one with Neil Young. Um, uh, you know, sings rocking in the free world, but hates that Joe Rogan has free speech. And that sparked all kinds of shit. And um, at the same time, it also gained me uh, quite a few new listeners. And then they, then they IM me back. Um, or they show up uh, as a subscriber on uh, Anchor or Spotify, and uh, you know I'm like, see, you know, I mean, sometimes the truth is a lot easier to hear and have a chance to reflect on than having an emotional reaction. And it's so easy to get a reaction out of people with just a simple meme anymore, because so everybody is just so clickbait. Uh, that mindset, you know, that five-second attention span, uh, you can do almost as much with a meme as you can with a two-hour show. Yeah, true. You're right, you're right. And it's like, do you still talk to Stoli? Yeah, yeah, I talk to Stoli all the time. You know, just talked to him last I, I, week. I, 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 don't, I don't talk to him anymore, but I hope he's doing well. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for all of, all of his success. I really mean that, and I hope he's doing well. So that's what I'm saying. Even though I don't talk to somebody, it doesn't mean you don't care about how they're doing. I, what pisses me off is is that I, I spend hours putting things together, and then the one day you don't meet someone's expectation. I'm not talking about Chris. I'm talking about, you know, I'm just saying in general. Yeah, um, in general, there's been a handful of these instances. Not using him. I'm not yeah. using him. But what I'm saying is they'll be like, oh, well, you didn't do this. It's like, yeah, but I did all this other stuff for you. It's It's... It's a thankless job. Yeah, it's, yeah. so, um, you know, it, it's a really thankless job, and there's a whole lot of unglamorous shit that goes on behind the scenes that people don't take into consideration whenever they think the job is cool or you're supposed to produce all of this stuff for them magically out of thin air. And one of the funny things about, you know, I've been doing this for a little bit over three years. The show has mutated a couple of different times. And I've really found, I think what a, what a lot of podcasters do is they initially come in and first of all, they make the mistake that all of their friends and family are going to get them all of these views and they're going to get famous that way. Yeah, Trust me, yes. for all of you podcasters out there who are thinking about it or new to it, your friends and family are not going to make your show successful. Um, and then second of all, they think that every guest they book should be some sort of a headliner and they deserve that right off the bat because they have a platform. Well, just because you and your friends find yourself interesting and you put yourself behind a microphone does not instantly that you're supposed to have access to all of these highline guests. I can, I can tell you, uh, just just out of uh, working with you for so many years, that there are three out of four guests that I ended up getting booked or having on the show 
which ended up getting to the point where I'd be very selective that that person doesn't fit into my groove. I've heard their interviews before. They're they're not going to take the way I talk very well. Uh, you know, like there was uh, one guy who was uh, an 80s comedy legend who booked a lot of people and, and so on and so forth. And his main request was that uh, I not be blue on the show, which very restrains how I fucking talk. And as soon as that uh, episode came out, I got instant messages. I got instant emails. What was wrong with you on that show? That did not sound like you. And so then I was, I will never succumb to anybody's fucking request uh, if they come on my show. It's going to be me. I'm going to be me. That's what makes the show grow the way that it has. And if you're, if you don't want to interview everybody under the sun, at the beginning, you have to pay your dues and you have to interview some guests who suck. Okay, it's just the way it is, because that's how you're going to sharpen your tools to become a good interviewer. And if you if you aren't willing to go through some of these uh, some of these contacts and guests that a publicist gets you just because you're not getting uh, uh, Rob Schneider right off the bat, or you're not getting fucking George Lucas right off the bat, you're not do that. You have to pay your dues to get there. And a publicist like you, you're getting somebody a lot of at bats. So that way, whenever they do get to the point where they can handle a big guest, that way it's not a boring interview where they get asked the same thing they've been asked a thousand other fucking times. The point of whenever you do get a, a good guest or a headliner guest is that you're able to have a good, refreshing conversation. That's what makes them be entertained by the interview because you're talking to them in a way that nobody else has. That's whenever you get your shot. That's why everybody can't be Joe Rogan. That's why there's only one Joe Rogan. Yeah, you know. You have to you have to crawl before you walk, and, and and but some people I don't know they want that fast track. I the guy you're talking about, what what boggles, well, won't say his name, but what boggles me about that guy is I just talked to him a few days ago, and there's a friend who I'd actually love to send you. His name is Frankie Pace. Okay. And Frank Frankie was if you Google him, you'll you'll recognize him right. He looks like. Ron Jeremy said, weirdly enough. Okay. <laughs> but he's a, no, no, he's a stand-up comic. He was on the Joan River show and so on. Well, as a favor to the guy you mentioned, Mr. 80s, yeah. I was going to put him, because that was Frankie's heyday was in the 80s. He hung out with Sam Kennison. This dude opened for Sam Kennison. And, and, and most 80s comics were, quote, blue. Uh-huh. So how on earth can you say, well, I don't want to go on a show like Chris Rudders, it's blue when you man, when you apparently manage people. You know what I'm saying? It's a contradiction. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very contradictory so, way, so, and and I understand. So, you know, maybe he's maybe you flipped from the '80s and now you got some religion or whatever the but case. That's all, but his whole show is <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. His whole show has '80s in it. You know, we're not going to give him free press. But what I'm saying is, is that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And the thing is, Frankie, I got on the phone with Frankie. And Frankie's like, yeah, I'll do your show. He says, I want to do it over the phone. I'm like, well, we're doing right. Right. This is pretty, this is pretty simple. Oh no, I got to see you and videotape you. And it's like, hold on a minute. This is my grudge with podcasters. They're doing you. The talent is doing you the favor. Right. Don't be a dick and start dictating terms of how things are going to go down. That's like. That's know, like Tito Santana and, saying you have to pay two hundred fifty dollars to have him oh, on your that show. Was Ridiculous! That was, yeah, that was like, dude, you that haven't was, you haven't main carded anything in almost forty years. Who are you to make to pay you? you? Well, that, I'm glad you brought him up. Actually, I'm not going to talk about Tito, but here's the thing: 
I won't mess with wrestlers. I don't like dealing with wrestlers now. And I know people like Stoli love that stuff. Stoli was actually a wrestler at one time, so that makes sense. Right. But the but there are a couple of people besides Stoli who were, were Stoli was in the business, but there are people who were never in the business who do wrestling shows, and they're like fanboys and shit. But you know what? I'm gonna be honest with you, and your your audience, some of your audience may hate this, but I don't really care. I think <laughs> wrestling is lame. It's freaking homoerotic. And let me ask you something. If you get into a fight with some guy and you bash each other over the head with a chair, number one, that's called felony assault. Number two, you're going to have cuts and stitches and concussions. You're not going to come out on TV the next night looking perfect. Well, the what? It's a, the, it's, a, it's a male soap opera, but I know people that will defend wrestling like it's this great freaking sport when it's really a male soap opera. If it was indeed a sport, it would be taxed as such, but in order to avoid taxes, they, man or whoever runs it basically said, oh, we're sports entertainment. But people get so passionate about this, but I don't want to see two dudes in their underwear roll around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it, uh, I think uh, uh, there was a comedian who had a really good bit about it, and I've, I've always been... I've always been a uh, fan of old school wrestling, and my my family. Yeah, when I was ten years old, maybe. Yeah. I mean, but not as a forty-five-year-old man. I don't want to see two dudes. Well, and it's playing. it's all a rehash of stuff that I've seen as a kid without the raw violence that you did actually see back then. Um, yeah. uh, you know, so but uh, a comedian had uh, had a bit about it that anywhere else in the world besides that square. Anywhere else, if a guy shows up in leather boots and spandex pants and a mask on, that guy's there to suck dick. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a village people, man. I mean, but, but, but you're cool. I mean, but I know a lot of people are going to get mad by me saying that, but I just really have no interest in it. And when I was a child, yes, but, you know, I also collected Star Wars, Star Wars toys back then. I don't do it as an adult, but whatever. Hey, if you love wrestling, God bless you, but. You know, to me, it's it's. I'm not going to spend forty dollars on a pay per view, or probably more than that, to watch something that's predetermined. It's watching a movie. It's watching a. You know, I don't know. It just it just it just doesn't it doesn't do it. So I know you. I know you've had a lot of a lot of guys who do podcasting, and you've you've represented uh, a lot of a lot of stars from the past who ended up having their own show and everything, and. And uh, you know they're all divas, and and they all they all make demands and all this other stuff, and you know that's that's why we've done this show every year for the past three years, talking about how podcasters are a pain in the ass with this stuff, and wrestling is its own niche that has its own set of problems because each one of the shows is really a repetition of the last show. None of them are talking about anything new. If they're gonna all of their shows that have any good ratings, or they're talking about the Monday Night Wars or the attitude era and we've all heard all of those stories five thousand times Chris, yeah exactly that was, that was 27 years ago we were in the 90s yeah and i and i realized but hey i realized there's probably people yelling at the phone right now thinking we're dicks or i am anyway because i'm not into watching that sort of thing but you know if you're into it great but for me it's just not boxing mma that's a sport right there that's real and I, whatever, like, hey, if it floats your boat, great. I mean, I, to me, it's just... But and I, I think that, that those those kinds of shows are, are very best represented or you're going to get the mo- best content from the people who have a known name, they used to do it, 
that uh, you know they have appeared on the UFC or they have appeared on Friday Night Boxing or they were on HBO before as a boxer. Those are the guys who deserve to do those shows and they should do those shows because they're talking from true professional experience. They got over with the fans, and you, like you said, it, you're dealing with the real sport. Somebody who's a huge fan of it, like I am. You know, at my heyday was back in the '90s before any of this stuff was going on. Before there's any pay per views, there's a couple videos of me on YouTube. You can't even tell it's me because the video's so fucking bad. But at the same time, I'm not the guy to have a UFC show, even though I know a whole lot about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I know a whole lot about how to get in the ring and get your get your head caved in. But that doesn't make me a good host for that type of show. And too many people like really go outside of their lane, like you said. They're they're fanboys. That's what I was getting ready to say. I'm talking about these pasty white little kids, boys (laughs) that are in you know in their mother's basement in Minnesota. Like, oh, I get to talk to you know. It's just it's like I don't know, man. I just thought my thing, and I've had you know I came under really hard scrutiny because I won't deal with the sufficiencies of the world and all that because I don't. You know, I, I okay. I'm sorry, man, but it's like, dude, you look at any. Okay, you're mentioning wrestling from the, the 2000s or no, no, the 90s. Yeah, I remember. I remember the 80s. I go back. We, you and I go back further. Yeah. What makes me mad about it is this: I, I, I feel bad for the guys that did it because at the end of the day, they have no union. Yeah, they're battered and broken, they're, and nobody gives they're, a they're fuck. Broken down. They're yeah. Broken down. That that movie with Mickey Rourke was so accurate. Mm-hmm. But they have crippling addictions, broken marriages, and it to me it looks like they're used as like circus animals. You they know, really are. There yeah. When, when they're when they're when they can't draw a crowd or do whatever, then they're not <clears throat> viable anymore, which is sad, you know. And I mean. Uh, and they took they took so many real headshots or whatever that now they have real shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not they have CTE and whatnot. So now they can't be a voice. They're not a good addition to have like their own show or be a good guest because they you know like they mumble. They I mean they're like someone yeah, who's punch so drunk. Said, and they're not yeah. old. They're like they're like you're some of them are in their they're not old men. No, and they and they 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 have gravity. Gravity is very real. You know, I mean, everything they do, yes, I, it is fake. But some of this crazy stuff that I see them do, it looks like it hurts like hell. You know, I, but like I said, I, it's it's a world, but I'm not going to go on about it. I'm not, I don't, you know, but I just, I don't deal. And I've had, I ran an ad a few days ago, and some guys like, oh, I do a wrestling show. Do you know any wrestlers? I'm like, no. Oh, I can send you someone interesting, you know, someone different. Oh, yeah, but do, do they like wrestling? I'm like, Jesus Christ, no, they don't like wrestling. And it, it's like, you know, they put themselves in a bubble or a little, you know, whatever, you know, where you're, you have many interests. You know, you like a lot of these, like horror movies, you like music, you, know, you can't just confine yourself to one thing. But, hey, some people, they're just so happy being confined to one little well, in, in one of the things that, that I have found with all of the podcasters I've seen come and go, some of them are still around and some of them have dropped the original show that they were on and now they're, on, they're doing something different or whatever, is the original advice, you know, at the beginning of the podcast boom, which was roughly about four or five years ago, the main advice that came out from everybody who did have a successful podcast was find your niche and stick with it. But people took yeah. that find your niche advice as only one lane 
and that's all you ever want to talk about. Well, then all you end up doing is just having a repetitive show where you talk about the same thing every week. And if you're not dealing with current events where you can at least, you know, uh, uh, go up and down with what's what's currently going on with the news or politics or whatever, which, you know, which is what my show has morphed into, something I could be really passionate about and I can either debate somebody or I can have somebody, like I had Dale Niehaus on uh, last week and, and the show yeah. just came out Friday. Yeah, he's cool. I love Dale, yeah. and we grew up in the same neck of the woods here in Southern Indiana, and we know, yeah, we, and we know a lot of the same people and all that stuff. And I've had him on the show now a couple times. He was on about a year and a half ago before the pandemic started, and then he was just on last week. I was able to have him on the show, and right out the gate, he said, "You know, I don't follow the news. The way I stay informed is through people like you and other friends who do or do follow the news and are super passionate about it, and they'll tell me what's going on." and and so it, I was able to have a uh, two-hour show with Dale saying, have you heard about this in the news? And then fully informing somebody like he was my only audience, even though the show, but uh, at this point in time, it's had a little bit over 2,000 views uh, in the past week. Um, I was able to talk to him like he was the only audience member. I was informing somebody of something new that they haven't heard. And then the rest of the audience, my subscribers and listeners, they, they were uh, – they were able to hear all of this stuff in a refreshing way because I'm trying to introduce this as material to someone who is not informed to this extent. So if you're not able to roll with those kind of punches, you end up having a very repetitive over and over same same thing every fucking time like a cookie cutter. You can't cookie cut your show. You 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 have to be able to bend a little bit and uh, kind of veer into different things. Like right now, if you wanted to bring up a different topic, I could either flow with it or I would let you have the mic and you tell everybody about it. And a lot of guys aren't willing to do that. They have to be the center of the conversation the whole fucking time. And uh, that's one of the biggest. I saw this weekend one of my friends, a longtime friend, and one of our mutual friends just passed away this past year. He had a YouTube channel for probably the past five years. And I think he he might have had like two or three hundred subscribers and had thousands of views and everything on YouTube. And he talked about a lot of funny shit. His ha his handle was the Bulldog on, on uh, YouTube. And um, he uh, his family bequeathed all of his equipment to my friend. And uh, this weekend was his first show, and he did it live on Facebook. And I looked at the live. He was about 20 minutes into it, and he had six or seven total viewers. And I was like, well, that's how it starts out. And I saw, well, he also has like 70-some-odd comments going on here. Well, that's cool. I wanted to see what all the comments were about. And it was almost predictable, but every other one was, hey, man, let me come on your show and we'll talk about the 49ers game this Sunday or whatever. Everybody wants to jump in whenever somebody else has made the investment in all the equipment, and everybody wants to start a podcast until they find out that after you get done, you actually have to listen to your own voice again in real time and edit where you start sounding bad. You have to start making some critical decisions about yourself and listen to yourself and um, uh, edit out the parts that uh, aren't going to go over well with, with, a, with an audience or where you just sound boring and you keep repeating yourself or uh, maybe the content just wasn't good enough to put out. But that takes trial and error and it takes a lot of practice. No, anybody who does a podcast, I mean, good, good on them. You know, it's just, it's, it's, you just have to know what you're doing. And, and there's a lot of the, the podcasting groups 
drive me nuts Facebook pages even though I utilize them because you can tell what's going on it, you know I've had at least a handful of occasions where some guy in India wants to sell me downloads you know yeah yeah and, and, and I mean that shit's just nonsense but you look at certain shows in those groups and you can tell which ones are going to be going places and which ones are just going to be in stagnant land forever you know and it's sad to say that but it's, it's almost well, I can always tell what's going on with each one of the groups. If you look through their timeline and you see, you know, uh, this show has posted consistently every week for the past two or three months or whatever, but they only have like one or two likes and a couple of views. That tells yeah. me that that, pod, that podcasting page is made by one person with the show and they're using it as a platform to get more people just to listen to their show and that entire podcaster page. Nobody actually listens to each other. You're not going to get you're not going to no. get views from other podcasters. We're all doing the same thing. They, they, claim, they claim they do. That's why I'm a big proponent of, of getting. I like to take someone like you and drop you on another show to be interviewed. You know, I'm into cross promoting like that. Right. That's a big thing with me. Whereas, as opposed to, hi, I'm you're Chris. I'm Steve, and I have a link, and you drop a link. That's lame. Yeah. When you go on, you, you, you two podcasters can go on each other's show. And, and, and banter and talk and your shows can be very similar or very different your shows can be very similar though and you interview someone like we'll use Larry Hankin as an example and I'm a podcaster I may ask him different questions than you asked him which is great but, but there's an unnecessarily uh, unnecessary competitiveness in some of these shows to where you know we want you to do good, just not as good as us, you know. Yeah. And I've seen that. I've seen that quite a bit, and that's why you don't see them posting. And you, if you look in these groups or any podcaster hears this, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's like, oh, how do you get more listeners? How do you get more subscribers? There's all the and and, and these damn experts about, you know, social media influencers, and it's just it's just a hodgepodge. Of, Craziness! I don't know how we got into this. I, mean, I, I don't know how I did, but I mean, really, I, I, I never would have thought that this would be something I would be doing one day full time. What and, I and what I have found, and, and this is it's fun. my biggest advice for any other podcasters out there, especially anybody in Steve's network, that if don't you do it. <laughs> if uh, if you do a cross promotion show, have a conversation on the phone first. And have a gentleman's agreement that you're both going to cross, not just cross interview each other, but you're going to cross promote each other's shows. Because if I do all the promotion, but you don't do any promotion on your end, well, only my people are going to listen to it and you're not going to get anything out of it and vice versa. That's the reason I don't appear on other people's shows because they don't understand the actual marketing concept of it. They're waiting for their friends and family to get them enough views on YouTube to make them famous. It doesn't work that way. And, uh, you know, so it, it someone, uh, someone who is good behind the mic also has to be good with knowing how to promote and use social media to get new viewers, not just appeal to, you know, your 12 friends and family who will download the show just to help you out. You know, that's why you see so many shows whenever they get up on YouTube, um, you know, like uh, in reference to, uh, you know, some of the comedy guys. So there's, a, there, uh, there's a lot of these comedy guys that were, you know, big back in the 80s or whatever. They had their heyday. And then they want to appear on somebody's show. And then I, I, I look like I've had a few of them on my show. And I get the same views and everything, you know, at the time that I was doing interviews. 
uh, with people like that. You know, I'd get the same two or three or four hundred uh, listens and streams, and then whenever I look at how, uh, whenever they put it up, they're getting like 30 views on YouTube, and it's like, dude, I thought you were a big deal. Like, why aren't you doing any promotion of you being on this other show to help us both get views? You're, you're 30. Yeah, they're not doing that, and that's something that, that I know aggravates you quite a bit. You yes. Know, so they, they, don't, they don't carry the cross and, and, and try to help out. Well, I don't know. It's it's kind of screwed up the way that goes down. Yeah. So I never have a guest on anymore without having that as an agreement. You're going to be on the show. That's cool. And we're going to cover whatever. I'm going to cover the content the way that we do it. I'm not doing the show to be just a promotional tool just for you. And I'm not going to have you back on the show. Or I may not even release the show if you don't at least try to share and promote the fact that you're on my podcast, which eliminates a lot of people. Yeah. You've you know? had some great people, though, who have done their due diligence. So. Yeah. And, you know, like Larry Hank, and I loved having him on. And he, uh, and it, like, it goes back to, like, some of the very best shows that I have done go back to, you know, uh, let alone the new stage that we're at right now um, uh, with the uh, Telling It Like It Is format. But going back to whenever I talked about TV shows and guest people shit, which which, uh, was a good shtick at the point in time, it was a good gimmick, but the best shows I had out of all of that whenever were just, whenever me and Joe would talk about our the best Oscar influences or uh, the best shows of the 2000s, uh, whenever we would do like a top 10 list or if it would just be me and him just bullshitting, those would end up being far better shows or far better rated shows than uh, anything we did with interviews and the like of people who didn't, you know, like you said, carry the cross and help promote it as well. Those shows ended up being way better. But you did have a good show when you were reviewing, you know, yeah, it was a great, so, great gimmick. The problem was... So, so good, so good that someone tried to steal from you one time. Exactly. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and that's great. And, you know, there's... Uh, uh, I can't remember exactly what the adage is, but the uh, um, best form of flattery is somebody trying to copy you. Um, I know that, that guy. You yeah. were mad at him. And, uh, you know, it, it's all good, and, and, and it, it is what it is. And it was a really good shtick, but at the same time, a lot of people tried getting really cute with bringing something so fucking obscure just to make themselves look good. And it's like, dude, you're killing the interview here with this, like stringing it out with, come on, you could guess this. I'm never going to guess fucking Infinity Train or BoJack Horseman or, you know, whatever, these really stupid uh, shows that people watch. So it became tiresome after uh, to me that the that the interviewee wanted to be, because they would listen to some of my shows, and they're like, okay, he knows all of these shows. Let me bring up a show. There's no way he'll ever be able to guess it. Well, that's not the point. We need to talk about a show that's good, that creates good conversation, not something I've never heard of and only you have heard of. You're turning off my listeners by doing shit like that. So it became a double-edged sword where the gimmick was good. But at the same time, by the time it reached its end, I had so many interviews that I never even published because they wanted to talk about shows that not only had I never heard of, I knew that my listeners would get zero enjoyment out of hearing me being drug over the coals trying to guess something. Uh, you know, I mean, I listened yeah, to a lot of shit. That happened to you a couple times. I remember that. Yeah, and so, you know. and not that I, not that I wanted 
I don't care if I can't guess your show, but, you know, let's make it something that not just 12-year-olds watch. I'm not fucking 12, and my daughter isn't interviewing you, okay? So <laughs> let's talk about something that we can have a, a conversation about, about what makes it good. That, that whenever the show was in that vein, those shows and those episodes were great. But once it got to the point where a lot of people had heard the show, it would, now it was a challenge to come on and try to get me to guess something. No way in a million years I would see because, uh, you know, it's only, uh, it was on Amazon or on YouTube five years ago and, and it got canceled after one season for a fucking reason, you know, so... Uh, so it kind of ran its, ran its, uh, way that way. And, and the guy who, um, uh, basically borrowed the concept or the idea of the show, um, you know, that they're continuing to kind of go with that, but they do it with a panel and they end up talking about a lot of the same shows over and over again. And I wanted to avoid that. There's only so many times I can talk about how great Peaky Blinders is or how great Vikings is, or let's remember Dukes of Hazard or Knight Rider. You know, I mean, once you get to that, now you're falling into the same category of 10,000 other fucking shows. So uh, it got to the point where, okay, if I'm going to recreate this, I need to talk about something that I am A, passionate about, B, something that I can really sink my teeth in and come in and produce really good content with a, a, a lot of shareable content. And that's why the show has morphed into what it, what it has done. And even though I'm sponsored by Anchor and Spotify, I don't... Uh, and Spotify set me up with all this cool-ass equipment I have here in front of me with the microphone and equalizer and sound card and all of that shit. The best friend and ally that I've had of the show, A, has been you from the very beginning, and B, recently, has been um, the new podcast platform called Good Pods. They, these guys have really put together something where these independent shows or these indie shows like mine, you're able to actually see where you're showing up on the charts based on real listens. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, so, so they're the most current, up-to-date platform that's independent. It's not Spotify. Somebody like me is never going to break into the top 100 charts of any category of Spotify because they're completely carried and paid for by, you know, CNN and Dateline and Fox and all of yeah. that other shit. So yeah. uh, this is, uh, they're uh, the best service out there and I promote them at every chance I can. And, and I suggest, you know, point your, point your crew, your current crew, point them in that direction. Try to get on good pods because then you'll find out where you really stack up with other podcasters. Right now, my, my show is uh, uh, on the independent charts is number three in politics, number 11 in the news, number, uh, number eight in weekly uh, politics and news, and uh, number 34 in uh, weekly talk. And I'm able to see those stats in real time and pull it up week to week. They send me how many listens have come from that platform, which is something you'll never get from uh, all of us publish on iTunes and Spotify and YouTube and all of that stuff. But they don't fucking tell you shit on where you stack up. Good Pods does. So anybody out there, uh, if you're looking to get into it, get your show on to Good Pods so you can really see how you're stacking up with other shows. How did, how did you discover Good Pods? How did that come They reached out to me. Okay. Yeah. And um, 
but uh, they're they're getting big enough now where they're accepting new contributors. You can upload and claim claim your own show with them, and once you go through that process, then you can start posting new material, new content on there, and see where you really are as far as what's actually being listened to in your category. That's the way to go, right there. Yeah, and they're the they're award winning, and and they've been they've been uh, talked about in in podcast news, podcast business magazine, and journal, all of these big podcasting publications, even the ones that have had like Joe Rogan interviews in the magazines. Good Pods is is recommended by these by these big publications and news source groups, and uh, um, it's definitely the way to go. Anybody who's new in the business, make sure you. Uh, Claim your RSS on on their platform, so that way you can really fucking gauge how you're stacking up. Because uh, there there's nothing better than being rewarded with that kind of feedback. The first time I was saw that I was close to being in the top ten in the in news and politics, I showed my wife a screenshot of it, and I was like, by the by the end of this fucking month, I'm going to be in the top 10 and, and pound, pound, pound. And now I'm number two and three in the indie charts and in the top 10 at all. What, what, what advice, okay, so I'm going to ask you this. I'm curious. What advice, if someone's listening to this right now or whenever they hear this, and they, they don't know where to begin, mm-hmm. they're going to they're go to the Facebook page, you know, Podcasters Unite or, or whatever, I don't know what it's called, whatever, podcasting yeah. group or there's millions of them. What advice would you give you to someone who wants to start a podcast? And what, what, what do they do? What if you had a mentor, a kid, what would you say to them? I would say, first and foremost, the most important thing for you to do is don't get caught up in spending a bunch of money and equipment. That's my first advice. Go as simple and cheap. Just go to Walmart and spend... 20 bucks on a on microphone hook it up to your laptop and then put out a couple of shows and practice editing because the first thing that drives a lot of good podcasters away from doing their own show is the pain in the ass of editing and publishing it that's the first thing The second thing is find somebody like Steve who can get you guests. They may not be in your wheelhouse. You may not know who they are uh, whenever you have them on the show, but sharpen your tool as an uh, as an interviewer and as a speaker. You have to be able to speak off the cuff and really, really be passionate about what it is that you're talking about because if I talk about it doldrum this is an all-day subject I cover it all the time and you sound monotone you're never going to gain an audience you have to be somebody who's able to you know pound on the desk or get excited get vocal get loud about it and show some emotion and get people interested have some um, you know some laughing points or some very serious points if you're going to go serious make sure that you know what the fuck you're talking about and if you're going to be funny don't be one of the people who laughs at their own jokes make other people laugh which, so, is, which is all too common, right? Yes, yeah. There's a lot of people out there that think they're a good comedy show because they laugh at what they say all the time, but nobody else is laughing with them. You know what I mean? So I do. Um, I, do. I mean, there's a lot, and there's a lot that um, you know we won't we won't say the guy's name. We're not going to give him free press. But the guy who tried ripping off your concert, you know what you do? Yeah. He's in a panel apparently or whatever, and and 
you know, how many times can you nerd out on Star Wars, you know? <laughs> <laughs> to, say, to say, I want to get William Shatner and be like, get a life, God dang it. You know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, and, and, and if, you're, if you're going to have a concept that there's a thousand other shows of, don't follow... That's tough. Yeah. You gotta break, yeah, you gotta, you gotta stand out, but... So the easiest way to do that is, if you're going to nerd out on Star Wars, don't talk about the last episode of Boba Fett. Talk about a book that you read that not everybody who's watched the movies has actually done. Yeah, and there, there, are, there are ones out there, sorry about Cyberman, there are ones out there that, that you could be informative and tell them about, you know, new right. stuff, instead of, re, of regurgitating shit that's been out there forever, because I've heard shows that are so cookie-cutter, I mean, I, I Star Wars is cool. Don't me wrong, but you know, people, I don't know. They go on and on about it. It's it's, it's kind of okay. They're going to talk about this again, and I, I don't know. I'm out of date with a lot of things. I'll be the first one to admit it. I'm out of I'm out of touch with what's hip with the kids. You know, I, I don't I don't watch Boba Fett or funny meme online. And it said when I was a kid and watching Roadhouse. This is not me, but someone who read this. When I was a kid watching Roadhouse, I wanted to be Patrick Swayze. Now that I'm older and smarter, I want to be Sam Elliott. Exactly. I thought, dude, that's, that's so dead on right there. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. I mean, because Sam Elliott, I, 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 I like him. I think that you could drop him in anything and he's interesting. Yeah, if, if he's able to play himself, if he's able to play the character close to the bone. If he's, well, my, one of my favorite roles he did was in the movie Ma- Mask. Mask. He was he was very much himself in that movie, and he played the he role was, incredibly well. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, which is what made him so cool in Roadhouse. He was himself again, and he's been in other movies and he's been in other shows where they tried to get him to be, you know, a the romantic lead or maybe be a little comedy or whatever, and it doesn't go over so well, you know. And well, but it was what was the movie? Um, God. Oh, um, Rush. Remember Louis Rush? Uh-huh. They cut his hair and put him in a suit. That's not Sam Elliott. Right, right. I, was... I, I, could, I can't buy him as like, I mean, I mean, you know, can you, he's not, he's not a suit wearing bureaucratic. Dude. Yeah, and no, it's, 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 it's horrible. It's both good and bad. This is a double-edged sword for most actors. You know, once you get typecast as something that everybody accepts you as, trying to break out of that typecast is the 10 years that nobody knows what you're doing. And then whenever you go back to your typecast role, then you're famous again, which is what Sam Elliott went through. He kind of disappeared off the radar for 10 or 15 years. And then he's like, fuck it, I'm going to be me again. And that's whenever he got on the ranch. Uh, and then, you know, now with 1883 and he's done another, uh, he's got another movie. He's getting big again. He's getting hot because he's, he's going to, he's going to go ahead and be himself which is his typecast role, but if you're—that's why John Wayne was fucking John Wayne. If you, whenever his worst movie of all time was Genghis Khan, because he was not a cowboy. You never saw Paint Your Wagon, did you? Paint Your Wagon is fucking hysterical. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this, enough, since we're being nerds here for a little bit. Okay, so Sam Elliott, Liam Neeson in a fight. Who wins? Uh, I have to say Liam Neeson because he has a very particular set of skills and he will use them to find you and kill you. Um, 
But yeah, uh, man, man, always try to change your own. You're a mystic. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with Sam Elliott. I'm, I'm just playing. On, I'm just playing on the typecast of Liam yeah. Neeson. All of his good movies, he's that same guy that he was in Taken. Now, uh, whenever he, he did, he played, he played a hillbilly in in, uh, in Patrick Swayze's uh, Next Again movie. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but so you think in a fight, I always used to like to do dream matches of like, if this person fought that, right? Now, now speaking of binge watching, I did watch the, the newest season of Cobra Kai. Did you see it? Yes, I've seen it. Dude, what a good way to end it, man. I did not see that coming, the ending, by the way. Yeah, well, the last time we talked, I said the best way for them to end it is with a huge twist. And oh, they did. That, dude, that was a twist I didn't see coming. Or yeah. Did you see? Did you see the? We don't want to ruin it for anybody, but did you see what happening happened with the two villains at the end? No, that was great. It was great. You know, we have a double cross. Let me ask you a question. You and shout out to Joe in Arizona. Hope yeah. So hope he hope he's sucking up the sun and enjoying the sun. I know Arizona's a beautiful state. You yeah. And I are freezing our asses off in <laughs> the Midwest, but. You and Joe have been friends for a long time. I'm going to ask you something very serious, you know, totally different. Uh-huh. I, what's it like to have a friend like that? Meaning, I don't have any long-term old friends. Uh, I, the, have, I have millions of, real quick, I'll just point yeah. out. I have millions of acquaintances. You're a friend. But what I'm saying is, is like, you and Joe are, are best friends. What's it like? I know it sounds so weird, but like everybody in my family's dead. Uh-huh. You know, uh, my brother OD'd over a year ago. Um, I, I, he's like a brother to Joe. Is like, Joe's a fucking good dude? Yeah. Um, I, to, I hate that. I hate to ask you that, like a child. Like, well, what's it like? Because I don't have. No, it's it's a it's a good question, and uh, you know, um, to be honest with you. The best parts about it is that you have somebody that even if, you know, he lives in Arizona and we get to see each other one, once a year, if we're lucky, uh, oh, yeah. be- because of the distance. But as soon as we're on the phone together or as soon as we see each other, we pick up exactly where we left off. We're, we're two people who are able to finish each other's sentences. We're oh. in- interested in, in the exact same things. Or if we have a disagreement, it's okay, so... We're not going to talk about that because we don't want to argue about it. But, you know, a brother's love is a brother's love. And at the end of the day, having somebody who can accept you for all of your faults and still see you for the friend that you are and uh, go through all of the ups and downs with you and never let any of the downs separate you or anything like that. You always come back together and always have a mutual ground to stand on. And and uh, that uh, there isn't, um, you know, I. I, I hate to say it this way, but anybody who doesn't have that kind of a friendship, then you're missing out on uh, a, a big part of what makes life good. You know, I mean, it's uh, I, I'm one of those people. Yeah, and it's because and it's because I don't trust many people. That's why. <clears throat> and I don't. And, and, I, and, and I don't either. And, and he's the uh, he and I uh, uh, we're the we always trust each other. On we always have each other's back, and and we yeah, always Joe's bad. I've never. I've, talked to him a couple times and I've always liked him and 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 I and whenever and I love seeing you know when you go to Arizona you two out there and families and all that that's cool as hell and I don't miss out somewhere else I had one friend here in Kansas City who I grew up with and he and I no longer talk it's for different issues but the thing is is that I I'm like an alien so I'm 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 
I know God knows how many people, you know this, I know a lot of people, but I'm also the most reclusive, shut off human being on earth. I'm the type, so if this makes sense to give your audience a little bit of interest in me or interest in how I am, is that Chris knows I could be on the phone with him and call up somebody and, and you know, what have you. But this is the funny thing. You got, I, I, you got to laugh at tragedy, right? <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also the guy that if I died in my sleep tonight, probably would be found for four days. <laughs> no, I, dude, I'm not joking here. I'm no, no. So I'm technically legally married. She's in Michigan. I'm in Kansas City. So she's not here. I, I'm not being grim, folks. Well, I'm, try, I'm trying. There's a point to where I'm going with all this. Uh, but I, I, I have a roommate. He, he's kind of a hokey. He goes and does his own thing, you know. And I hardly see that dude. But I'm thinking to myself, I, I'm in my war room, if you will, where I am now. But bro, if I, if I fucking expired tonight I don't think people will know about it for a few days uh, and it's weird because I hate living this way but my trust levels and friends are, are low I think uh, and, and the... I haven't been the best friend to people and I and, and see the best thing is is that I, I will acknowledge I've been a dick to people I've, I've I haven't you know it's a two-way street you know, I could, you know, I, I asked you, I don't talk to Chris Stoller anymore. Well, that's partly my doing, too. You know, it's not, it's, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's all him. It's, no, 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 I've been difficult, too. But the thing is, is that I feel, and I, I, this is the realest I've been with anybody in a long time. I'm giving you the real me right now. Yeah. I, I feel that I, I've done too much, and... Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, honestly, I feel like I'm an outlet for people or a resource, and that people forget that I'm also a person. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, how, that's how I feel, and, and 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 I hate this feeling, and, and I, I wish this on nobody. But you know, Stolly never asked me for anything extravagant. Uh, but there are people who you know who are made nameless who 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 oh well I didn't deliver this on a timely manner I'm a bad person but forget all about all that other shit I did for you in the past. See, it, it, I don't make millions of dollars doing what I do. Fuck, I barely make it to be honest with you. But it's sad because I don't talk to anybody about how I feel. I don't have a friend like Joe, and. I miss that. I would wish I did have that. My my wife and I are, are civilly. I mean, we talk, dude. Don't get me wrong. You you lucked out in many ways in your life. We won't get into your personal life, but you did. Yeah. And I told you that the other day. Yeah, I'm very lucky. But, yes, sir. But but I I feel like uh, I don't know, Chris. I feel like look, dude. I had I had a mild heart attack in in December. Nobody really knew about. I didn't tell anybody. And I'll tell you why I didn't tell anybody. I don't like going on Facebook and be like, I had a heart attack, I'm praying in tears. I, I don't, I don't, that doesn't do it for me. I don't want to do that shit. And I, don't, and I don't want people to necessarily worry about me either. But I got the coronavirus recently, and I, and I talked to you about that because yeah. you've been there and done that. And I always remember for the rest of my life, I always will laugh when you called, when Miss Chris, when Christopher Runner called me up, folks. Steve, I want to do as many shows as possible in two weeks. Because I have the coronavirus. And I'm thinking, is he going to off himself? People who are hearing this, I swear to God, Chris called me up sounding like like death. I mean, he sounded like... I could barely breathe, yeah. He, he sounded like Vader. 
Star Wars. You sounded like when Luke tore the mask off, and you're like, all right, dude, here's the deal. I want to do as many shows. And you smoke it too, folks, at the yeah. time. Yeah. I want to do as many possible shows I can in the next two weeks. I'm thinking, okay. And, you know, and I remember clear as yesterday, I'm in, I'm in San Diego. I'm at my house in Escondido. I'm like, I, did, I knew exactly where it was when all this happened. And I start calling shows with Rudder here. I was like, yeah, Chris wants to go on your show. Can we make it Tuesday by any chance? And in my mind, I know you better than this, you know, now than yeah. you would then. But in my mind, though, I'm thinking, is he going to fucking off himself? And is this like, a, you know, some kind of Lenny Bruce shit he's going to pull on him? Like, <laughs> I literally thought that you were going to, I didn't know what, but you're like, but you wanted to be the first coronavirus what was it well, actually? What was it? Wrote something about. I wanted to be the first, the first podcaster to broadcast uh, with COVID. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, for everybody who listens to my current format, where I'm always railing against the world and all of this nonsense and hysteria around it, this isn't something new for my show. This is I I had it and I thought it back then that uh, that, that there's you know there's no proper course of pre-treatment or anything. I, you know, I said on many shows that, that week that I got told by my local hospital that whenever your vitals, if your oxygen level drops below 90, yeah, call us then. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, so I have to be near death to actually come to the hospital? And so yeah. I've been railing against this this entire fucking time. I've, uh, that's the reason I, I was uh, – not for, you know, all of these mandates and all of this. Other. This is nothing new. This is the way I've always been. <laughs> yeah, you were just being you. You yeah. you're like, I'm a rebel, and that's how it is. But yeah. I swear to God, I will never forget that. Chris mm-hmm. went on all these shows. He made all the dates I set up for him, and he did great. But I'm thinking to myself, okay, is he going to do, like, ten interviews? I'm like, all right, you know. I think I did uh, seven shows in three days, barely being able to breathe through any of them. One of oh them my was, God, it was insane. Yeah. So, so therefore, no podcasters could, because of you, the enforcer, as I call, because of him, there's no reason you can't make the podcast. I've used Chris as an example to podcasters. <laughs> I was sick. Well, let me tell you about Yeah, fuck you and being <laughs> sick. Try, try breathing through a wet sock, exact words, <laughs> and doing a fucking podcast. Don't tell me you're sick. Oh, yeah. I, I had diarrhea that night. Oh, oh. And I, no, no. Yeah. That, you were you were a badass, man. But but and so no one could ever give me their they're too sick to make the dance. Like, <laughs> oh, well, I know a young man in Indiana that made it. <laughs> I mean, the show must go on, on, you know. Yeah, and I, yeah, use you as a reference. And Chris and I have had we you know we we've, we've done funny stuff. We've done stuff that like Chris called out somebody that he was leery about. We dealt with it in an interesting way. Nothing violent, folks. It was just something he had a bad vibe about. And and it's funny. It, it's like he, you're not like already Hoffman, but you, I guess you can see writing on the wall sometimes. Yeah. And, and you mentioned this person. We won't say his or her name, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. And and now we in a couple of days ago we we're talking about setting this up. You told me about this person and, and their life situation, and you and it's like you almost called it happening. Yeah. Yeah. It went down pretty much exactly how I predicted at the time, but. Uh, you know, just human nature. It is what it is. But, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, always stick to your guns and, and, uh, always be true to yourself. And I think that's how, and being able to persevere too many people 
stop watering the plant before they see it. And it's just right beneath the surface. It's about to happen. And that's the way this business is. Too many people give up soon or too many people expect too much too quick. And uh, you have to be patient and consistent and stick to it, you know? I think it's the people who are impatient that fail. Yeah. And they, that's the ones I think that really, I, and it sadly said, if I, I, I'm not a genie or a miracle worker by any means. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not the only means to an end to get someone famous or quasi-famous on your show. There's a lot of people who do what I do. I just, I just like what I do, and, and, and I, I, I do the best I can with it. You fill a need, and, and you give a lot of people, like I said, you give a lot of people the opportunity that they couldn't get on their own. Uh, you give a lot of people a lot of opportunity to get a lot of at-bats, to sharpen their tools, to get better at speaking with somebody. And, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's what I do. And I don't make a lot of money doing it, but I love doing it. Yeah. And Chris knows that, you know, I'm the type of guy who I'll call, I'll be like, hey, Chris, what are you up to? Not much. Hey, man, have you ever talked to a one-legged midget that juggles? No? Well, hold on. You know, I'll call him on the phone. Like, I've, done, I've done crazy shit like that. You know yeah. what I have, You know? Yeah. And it's cool, but for me, honestly, you know, is when I can take someone who was very well known. I'll use Hankin again as an example and, and introduce them to a big fan of theirs who lives in Omaha, Nebraska, and they interview them. To me, I, I get a kick out of that. It's cool. Yeah. It's no, really it, cool. It is, it is very fun, and, and uh, you know, we've, we've uh, connected with a, a lot of good guests. We've connected with a lot of people who the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, but at the same time, I took the at-bat and went through it to learn from that situation. Me and this person have exactly zero in, in common. We have zero mutual interest. And uh, I was able to produce an interview out of it. May not have been the best uh, listening content, but I was able to struggle through it and learn for the next time, which is what ends up making you good behind the mic. I mean, nobody starts out being good, and I'm by no stretch of the imagination good or great or anything like that. Oh, uh, no. I've gotten a lot better. I, uh, you know, I can't, I can't admit that. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I can definitely carry a conversation with the best of them, whereas before it would get hostile or emotional, whereas now I can twist it around, and by the end of the show, having somebody agreeing with me when at the beginning we were disagreeing, and that's uh, something I would not I would not have the ability or the capability of doing that without going through all of the different interviews that you set up for me and everything to, to be able to yeah. sharpen my craft and get better at doing this, you know? So that's whatever uh -huh. I told you the other night, I, I don't do interviews anymore, really, but, uh, I, owe. so I'll have you on the show any, any time. Uh, uh, you know, so. I appreciate that very much. And then I, I love doing these when I can, but probably the, the wild people ask me a lot, the wildest thing. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. People ask me the wildest interview that I ever set up. I won't say, okay, her first name was Lisa, that's okay. all I'll say. Okay. And I put her on a lot of shows. I think I put her on your shows, at your show, I think. I don't remember. I this believe. Was a, this, is, this was the girl that may or may not have killed her, her fiancé. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm looking, it was an author, folks, that hired me and I was putting her on shows. But here's the thing. Now everybody's seen Tiger King. This, this was a Carol Baskin-ish type lady at the end of the day. And every show, almost every show, I put her on, people are like, dude, 
she killed a dude. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. 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 I think uh, uh, st- between Stoli and I's interviews, what went out oh, on the Stoli air? Stoli tripped out. Yeah. yeah. He, he, well, she got mad at Stoli because he's like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We she both called. One of my shows to her place out in the, the Pacific Northwest to see it. And I'm like, don't go out there. You'll never come back. You know? Yeah. You may never come back. And uh, yeah, I think. Uh, Stoli and I really put the uh, fire to her uh, between two separate interviews of basically uh, if, no, if any cop would have heard it, uh, the investigation would probably have been uh, back underway. Yeah, I um, think you guys literally talked to a woman who killed, I, I hate to say, I, don't, I mean, I really hate to say it, but I think that you guys literally talked to you and Stoli when she was on your guys' show in particular. Uh-huh. She al- it was almost like a confession. And guy, this is the trippy thing about the podcast in the world. It's like, it's like you're talking to a member of the Manson family. <laughs> <laughs> no, the story was too weird. Yeah. And you and Stoli are farthest things from cops, you know? Yeah. But you, you, but you guys know when someone's ratting themselves out, and it's almost like this woman, we're not going to say her last name, but this woman literally was like, the details were hazy. And I think Stoli's in like, no, no, that's not what he told me in the pre-interview. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I forgot about his wallet missing. It's like, well, what? It's like, it was too, I think at one point it buried the dude. I mean, it was, it yeah. was, the, I think you guys literally talked to a woman that killed somebody. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, him and I have talked about it a couple of other times. And yeah, we, we firmly believe that if uh, we were to send a copy of our show to that local police department she'd probably uh be back under investigation or oh, no, we don't we don't mess with her anymore but that was one of those yeah okay that was one of those rare when people ask me podcast stories that's one that will go in the history books where i'll be like yeah i think for two months i did the art for a woman that may have killed somebody yeah and on, on that note we'll go ahead and close All it right. out this is uh been a another great show, and this is an annual yeah. installment. It's the third time Steve and I have talked about the podcasting world and the the ins and outs of it. Uh, this one, I'm I'm glad I was able to give some uh, maybe not expert advice, but hopefully good advice on uh, what to look for and what to do to start out. And and Steve has, of course, talked about uh, you know what not to expect right from the beginning and not what to expect from somebody who's not not even offering that to begin with, have realistic expectations and don't be such a fucking pain in the ass out there. So this again is uh, Chris Rudder with Steve Joyner signing off. I hope everybody enjoys the show. And uh, yeah. And the uh, next installment of the telling you like it is format uh, we're recording tonight and that'll be out on Wednesday, February the 2nd. So until then uh, don't get any on you and don't forget your squeegee.